0: This is the holy day that sneaks up on people. So great to see so many here. We just had a holy day for Mary less than four weeks ago. Why do we have another one now? What's the big deal about Mary being the mother of God? Well, it's a huge deal that Mary is the mother of God. In fact, in the year 431 in the city of Ephesus, there were riots on the streets between the people who believed that Mary was the mother of God and those who believed she was only the mother of Christ. Now, that doesn't even make any sense to us, but it was enough that ordinary people, it was so much a part of their identity about who Mary was in their faith that there were open riots on the street in an attempt to throw the Council of Ephesus. If you want to know more, read chapter 5 of Theodosian Empresses by Kenneth Hollum, and you will be hooked on church history. I promise. But today, as has been the case every year since Pope Paul VI declared it in 1968, it is also the World Day of Peace. Well, actually, tomorrow, January 1st, but, you know, it's the vigil. What a beautiful way to begin the new year. We'll use the readings and prayers for the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, but we'll look to Mary as a role model for how each of us can help foster peace in the world. Tom Gibbons is my dearest friend in the Paulist Fathers. He was ordained along with me along with Rene Constanza back in 2012 for the Paulists. He's outgoing, hilarious, and media savvy. Three qualities which come into play in the story I'm about to tell you. At our seminary, St. Paul's College, the seminarians and novices take turns serving at Mass. Some of us, like Tom and me, this was a new experience, and uh, we needed some help learning the ropes. And One of Tom's first times serving at Mass was particularly memorable. After leading us through the intercessions he was making up off the top of his head, prayers for the church, prayers for political leaders, and prayers for the most vulnerable in our society, he asked us to pray for bees. That's right, I said bees. In late 2006, you may remember that there was an alarm sounded in the United States because the European honeybee colonies in this country were collapsing at an alarming rate, and nobody knew why. European honeybees are responsible for pollinating about a third of the crops in the United States, including almonds, peaches, soybeans, apples, pears, cherries, cucumbers, various kinds of melons and berries. Despite Tom's best intentions about our intentions, we laughed. It seemed silly to pray for insects. Tom, being Tom, of course, sought to justify himself by writing a blog about it. Now, the last time I told this story publicly, Tom heard a recording of it and he said I wasn't fair because I quoted what he actually wrote. <laughs> so, because I love him like a brother, I will try to do better by him this time. What I think Tom was trying to get at in the blog post was that there's something noble and practical in doing the work to articulate our prayers in a way that isn't the same old, same old. And he sort of jokingly said it, but I think there's something to be thought about. He said, you know, some people who pray for peace in the world, oh, what are they actually praying for? Are they really trying? Do they really mean it? And I'm sure some of them do. But is that just a a stock phrase that we stop and thinking about what it really means? And so today, we have both this Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God, and the World Day for Peace. It's a great opportunity to ask what God expects us to do to bring peace to our world. If only God can bring peace to the world, what is our role in achieving it? We call Mary the Queen of Peace. But I don't remember reading in the Bible anywhere where she led a protest march to Herod's palace demanding Equal rights for the underprivileged. But Tom also has a point. Praying for peace isn't enough. Three elements in our gospel passage today may shed some light on what we are called to do. The first is the first people who received the message of peace to people of goodwill were shepherds, which is absolutely remarkable. We have this bucolic vision of shepherds, but at the time of Jesus, shepherds were considered the lowest of the low. They were untrustworthy. They were considered people of dubious morality. The thinking was, why in the world would you take a job where you're out in the elements 24-7 if you could get any other kind of job? The second thing is to picture this scene at the manger. Mary and Joseph, we don't know a whole lot about their lives, but it's probably unlikely that they had a lot of dealings in their daily lives with social pariahs like shepherds, much less that they would have general, common interactions with Persian astrologers. They're not here in our manger scene. They're coming on Sunday. Come on back for that. I don't think it's a surprise to you. But the third thing... St. Luke uses this phrase that he uses more than once in his gospel in this passage. He says, Mary kept all these things in her heart. Why does he say that? Well, we think that that is because he holds up Mary as the role model Christian and that this is an invitation for us to contemplate. Contemplation is a kind of prayer where we really look for God's presence in our daily experiences. So with these three points in mind, of the shepherds, Mary and Joseph probably not running into shepherds and Persian astrologers on a regular basis, and a call to contemplation, can we take a moment to contemplate the manger scene along with Mary? In the first days after a couple has their first child, usually they're at home and family and friends will visit. But Mary and Joseph were in a barn. They were visited by farm animals, social outcasts, and wealthy foreigners. How is God present in that scene? God is present in the child, of course, the child Jesus, the Son of God. But God is also present in the diversity of the people gathered, called to be there by the Holy Spirit. And that diversity is both inspiring and challenging to us. Our cities and our nation is becoming more and more culturally diverse And the Internet allows us to go to the remotest corners of the world in a way that we would never have been able to do even 20 years ago. More than ever, we can experience the rich diversity within the body of Christ. But that same technology, our prosperity, can lead us to isolation. So many of us get our news from cable news, where all we do is hear people present the news in a way that reinforces the opinions we already have, rather than hearing a diversity of opinions. Even if we move to new neighborhoods, we can use Skype and Facebook to maintain our friendships with friends that we've known from other places, rather than getting to know our neighbors and our neighborhoods that more and more don't even have sidewalks in them. We are losing the ability to talk with people with whom we disagree. And that's not just in secular society. It's also in the church. I'm glad you're all here. Very glad, don't take this the wrong way. But most of you drove by several other churches to be here. And so many of us do that. We, by being such a mobile culture, we can even choose church communities that have less diversity. This isolation it is no way to achieve peace. God invites us to reproduce the diversity in the manger scene. Can we contemplate new ways to bring peace to our world? We have somebody who's pretty good at challenging us these days. His name is Francis. Look at how much he's challenged us to reach out to people who are different from us in the last nine months. But back to those bees. Lots of effort has been made internationally to understand why the bee colonies are collapsing. And it turns out to be a beguilingly complex problem. Researchers on several continents have pooled their scientific studies to look at the contributions of pesticides, pathogens, immunodeficiencies, antibiotics, migration patterns, hive rental practices, malnutrition, the loss of genetic diversity in the bee population, parasites, electromagnetic radiation, and genetically modified crops. And they still can't completely explain what's going on. But professional beekeepers have looked at this information and they have established new best practices which have slowed the rate of the collapse. In other words, a diversity of people are using their gifts to tackle a difficult problem. Tom of course credits the progress to his prayers for the bees. Oh come on, I wanted a bigger laugh than that, that's a good line. None of us can presume to know the mind of God, but one thing is for sure. If it takes both our prayers and our God-given talents to protect the bees, peace will only prevail on earth if we do two things simultaneously. expend our God-given talents to peacemaking, and to rely on God to achieve the peace that is beyond our comprehension.